Blog Talk Radio. Bread of life, sent down from glory.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done. You have been a blessing. Lord, you said you would bless us and we would be a blessing. So we love on you today, thanking you for this time. Thank you for what you've done. Lord, hopefully we've been a blessing to somebody to help them make it through their midnight hour. When the towers have fallen, Lord, we thank you that maybe we've been a little light in the dark times. We love on you, God, and we bless everybody out there. We bless their children and their households. We bless them right now in Jesus' name. Bless them with health, prosperity. We bless them with kindness. Bless them with love, forgiveness. Lord, we bless you because you're good. There's none like you. We love on you today. Lord, these are your children. We're your servants. We love you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you.
but there's this one tree Can't understand why I'm sinking so deep Help me, help me Won't you have mercy Set my soul free, please And let the bell in my heart ring Oh, this is my cry if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God, because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength and our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified, that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God, life eternal life God we pray oh God today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you Lord 
Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord. Where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us uh, than he that is within this world, God. Uh, we know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, uh, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, uh, and you're no short of your promise, Lord, uh, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. Uh, touch us on today, Lord. Uh, we need you like never before. Uh, fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God, uh, and give us a refilling, Lord, uh, that when we leave here today, Lord, huh? we can leave with your anointing, Lord, huh? that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, huh? they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. Huh? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Huh? We thank you because you are a healer. Huh? You're the God that healeth thee, huh? and healing is in your wings, huh? and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. Huh? You're able to save our troubled souls, huh? and in the name of Jesus, huh? bind every demon, Lord, huh? every demonic force, Lord. Huh? God, that comes to keep us uh, in the same place, Lord. Uh, we're willing, God, to surrender uh, and say yes to your will, Lord. Uh, we're willing to turn our lives, God, uh, over into your hands, Lord, uh, because we come to the place, God, uh, where we realize like never before, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, more than anything we know, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, while men are trying to find, God, uh, solutions to this chaotic world, God, uh, we're looking to you. Lord, because we know for every right desire, there is an answer. And Jesus, you're that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord, because you're the answer, God, for our troubled lives, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for another Tuesday morning. Can you hear me, Brother Louis? So someone needs to know this morning that the thing moving slow, it appears. And um, I don't know if it's uh, too much in here and cleaning out again or what it needs, but it, it appears to be moving slow. So, Sadat, can you hear me? Yeah, somebody sent me a message. All right, good deal, good deal. Thank you, Brother Louis. I got a sister died. He said, yes, ma'am, he can hear me. Because um, yesterday, I well, I left the computer off since I turned it off Friday. Turned it back on Saturday to check something, and nobody had come in here and just left it on. So I usually turn it off, and it do some cleaning and some this and that when I turn it on. So... Uh, it started all that yesterday when I turned it back on. But I'm grateful this morning unto Almighty God. I went out to take someone to the doctor yesterday, and after the doctor, we went to lunch. And after lunch, we uh, went for a long ride because sometimes, you know, people who don't walk and those who don't walk really good, they have to walk real, real slow. They don't get out a whole lot because the world is moving fast. And they want to push these people around. So I um, took them out, and after lunch, then we went for a long ride and uh, was able to come on back home. I was able to get back, and they get to their destinations and everything. God is faithful. He's good to us. And let me tell you something. If you're really and truly serving him, and you really and truly do love him, then what happens? Because if you love him, you're going to obey him. You know Put your flesh in there. Yeah, you're going to love him for real. And remove that selfishness and remove your flesh out of there. Because what he does is he'll send somebody to bless you. Yeah. He will send someone along to bless you. But you got to be willing to accept the blessings. And if God says changes need to be made, you got to be willing to change. You got to be willing to sacrifice and let your flesh go. Yeah, and God will move on your behalf in a big way. You get, you'll get just that very thing. Hallelujah. He's able this morning to see us through, and we are grateful unto him. And uh, I tell you, I just thank God this morning for another Tuesday morning again. I just thank him for this brand new week he's starting us out on. And of those who of you who are on Facebook, if you would take a look at the prayer club, and if I could get intercessors, people who can pray or people that pray, not post scriptures, not post scriptures, and not encourage people. Prayer, you got to pray over that. People like to come and post scriptures and pray and encourage, and that's fine. That is wonderful. I love it. But it's praying time, and the name of the group is Prayer Club, not scripture posting. <laughs> Hallelujah, hallelujah. Not encouragement, but prayer. We want prayers constantly, 24 hours rolling over there. It's praying time, I promise. If you look at the world, it has gotten wickeder and wiser. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These sinners, they slick today. I'm here to tell you. They are Sin and, and, and go to God, you have no clue. Selfish, 
and go to God not by being selfish, but about what they want. Now give me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew the right spirit within me. Forgive me, Lord. I can't ask for nothing until I get right with him. Until I can bring this flesh under subjection, then I can start asking for stuff. Yeah. And you know what? Why are you praying those prayers there and, and, and you know, struggling? Because that's what you're doing. Striving, I'm going to call it. Why are you striving to live the word of God, truly live it 100%? He see the intent of your heart. God going to come along and bless you. He'll come along and heal your body. The doctor can diagnose with anything it wants. You won't feel it. You won't even know it. Yeah. They diagnose me with the knees, the cartilage down in the knees, friction, bone rubbing against bone. Uh, ooh, we. <laughs> the lower back, I mean the back, the, the spine itself have arthritis. Uh, they digest me with now this hip, the right hip is going. Listen, some days I don't even know all of this. I'm moving. I'm moving. Getting things done for other people, not for me, but for other people getting things done. Then the Lord will give me time to relax, a time to, for myself. But I got to take that time. And I've been taking it. Yeah, time for me to get things done for me. Hallelujah. Oh. Okay, Brother Lewis. Okay, I'm going to work on that right there because that's I've been doing a little exercising. Yeah, and, that, and it has helped. It makes me feel better. And if I do them in the morning, oh, it gives me so much energy. Yeah, for the day. I, I just do some side twists. That's how some side twists and lift my knees up, lift my legs up, you know, uh, like I'm marching, sitting in the chair. Yeah, and it gives you energy. It really does. But I, I know God is a healer, and if we trust him, he's going to do just that. Not only heal our bodies, but like I said, you won't even know what the doctor talking about with the diagnosis. You used to know because you used to feel all of that. But you give God your all and watch what happens. Don't try to keep nothing for yourself. Give him your all. Lose your life. Yeah, because he's going to save it. Hallelujah. Ooh, I thank you. I try not to complain, but some days it hurt. Yeah. And they told me when I was a girl, I used to hear the older people say, uh, it's going to rain. And somebody said, well, how you know it's going to rain? My knees hurt. Uh-huh. I used to hear him say that. How do you know it's going to rain? My leg hurts. And as a girl, you know how children are. I would laugh and run off. <laughs> yeah. Some knees going to tell you it's going to rain. Your leg hurt. That means it's going to... You know, children is like that. Uh-huh. But then later on, it would rain. But I wasn't thinking about what they said. Uh-uh, they knees hurt or this hurt. Yeah, it, it just rained, you know, because it was time. The earth needed watering. Children, we don't, we don't, we don't know. 
And what sounds weird and, and strange to us, we don't pay it no attention at all. They crazy. Yeah. My dad used to say, my knee swollen, it hurt. And I was like, man, please. I said, you do all that walking you do, and you tell me something hurting. And I would laugh to myself and go on. Today, I know exactly what these people were talking about. Yes, yes, I do. I know exactly what they were talking about today because I'm having it. Yeah. And some days it just feels like the entire body just hurt for no reason. Everything hurts. Yeah. But God is faithful. He is faithful, and I'm one who I'm going to keep striving. Yeah, and it's already all right this morning in Jesus' name. God bless you today. God bless you. And uh, we just thank God this morning because he's able to see us through any and every old thing. Yeah. Today we have uh, Overseer Carter Colon uh, from the Times Square Church, and uh, he's going to be teaching us that Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. And so... uh, I thank you so much, Brother Louis. I saw that. I said, you know, I love him. Yeah, I like to hear him speak. And uh, the wolf is at the door. Yeah. And so I thank God uh, for this message this morning. Jesus is coming. So, look, I'm going to one more, what is this, 728, one more request of the morning. And uh, when we come back. We'll come back listening to Overseer Cologne Colon saying it. I mean, teaching us Jesus is coming. Yeah, I like all of that. I like all of that. And, uh, okay, wait a minute. All right, right here. I like this too.
Sometimes I have to find it. I have to find it. I need you, Lord Jesus. All right, let's go to this one. I'm going to this one until I get this. And as soon as I get it, I'm coming right I out. need you, Lord Jesus. I need you, Lord Jesus. I need you right now. I need you right now. Him of his garment, she be made whole, and all she said was, Oh Lord, oh yes, I need to ride. Oh Lord, I need to ride. Oh Lord, I need to ride now. There was a blind man in the Bible day. And he could not see When he heard that Jesus Was passing by He said, Lord, lay your hands on me I need you, Lord, I need you, Let's 
said, curse your God and die. He said, why would I do that? I know he's going to make everything all right. So I need
The message I have for you today is, is simple. Get ready. Jesus is coming. Matthew chapter 24. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, we're going to start there in just a moment. Father, I thank you for your word, which is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that when your word has found a lodging place in our minds and in our hearts and in the very fabric, inner core of who we are as a people, we become stronger than we could ever hope to be in any amount of natural strength. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that your word brings light and life. Your word gives us hope, leads us to a place of supernatural power in God. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you won't leave us blinded by the side of the road or calling out in terror or fear as so many do who don't live in your word. Thank you, God, for the hope and the joy that knowing you and knowing your word gives to us. Thank you for Pastor Tim Delina, God, for bringing to the church world again a biblical worldview. Thank you, God, when so many are straying from biblical truth and even in the house of God are beginning to lead by what seems right. But your word tells us that there's a way unto man that seems right, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. So God, we don't want to be led by what seems right. We want to be led by what is right. So God, teach us. Give us open ears. Give us open hearts. God, give me an open heaven today. I pray for the grace to be able to speak simply that everyone here can understand. Help me, O oh God. I never want to ever stand in a pulpit anywhere and lean on past victories or present strengths. Lord, I recognize that without the anointing of your Holy Spirit, your kingdom can't be built, and our labor is then in vain. Thank you. And so, God, come and build a love for your word into each heart. God, let your word find a lodging place in us. Let it be the desire of our hearts. Yes. As it's written in the scriptures, Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Yes. Let that be our cry today. Oh God, speak to me. And let me hide the truth that I hear in my heart. And let me always be an, a student and somebody who honors you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now Matthew chapter 24 and 25, which I've encouraged you to read when you do get home, because these are the chapters where the disciples came to Jesus and they had just brought to his attention the stones of the temple. And if you've been to Israel and you've seen these stones, they're mammoth stones. It's even marvelous as to how they could actually move these without the modern machinery that we have today. But they did move them. And they laid the foundation of an incredible temple, a place that was once built for the glory of God. And they had a sense of permanence just looking at what they had accomplished, in a sense, with their hands. And they, they, they remarked on it. Look at the temple. Look, look at the, the magnificence of all of the things that we have created. And Jesus said, do you not see these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So he's, in spite of the sense of permanence that they saw, there was a day coming when everything that could be shaken would be shaken. And if you've been to Israel, you've seen these stones um, scattered as it is, not left one upon another. Of course, he foresaw it. He foresaw a time of shaking coming to the nation of Israel at that time. But also Jesus Christ speaks in his word of a time of shaking coming to this whole world. As a matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews, the writer talks about a season where everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. 
And if your confidence in Christ can be shaken, it will be shaken. But there's a confidence that God builds into the heart when we are built on the foundation of the truth of God's Word. Remember Jesus said, whoever hears my sayings and does them, I will liken him to a man who built his house upon a rock. And when the rains came and when the floods came and when the winds beat against that house, it did not fall for it was founded upon a rock. The cry of your heart and mind today has got to be, oh God, establish my life on this rock. Establish my mind on this rock of truth. Establish my ways upon this rock. And oh God, give me that that sense of stability that we're all going to need, not only to survive, as wonderful as that is, but to make a difference in an ever-darkening and ever-confused world around us as things are beginning to unravel quite quickly all around us. Society is turning very dark. Paul the Apostle talked about a, a lawlessness breaking out in the last days and increasing in intensity until the Antichrist, the man of law, is actually revealed. We see lawlessness now everywhere. Lawlessness in our streets. Lawlessness, unfortunately, is attacking our schools. Lawlessness in our homes. Lawlessness in in people's voices and structures all through society. And suddenly, nobody wants to obey any rules. Everybody wants to create all their own. Nobody wants there to be truth anymore. Everything has got to be relative. And what I think truth is, the guy that shouts the loudest gets to be the one who holds the truth at the moment until somebody louder comes along and shouts another truth. Really a confusing time, difficult time that we're now living in. Jesus was sitting then on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came and said, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Suddenly they're fast-forwarding, in a sense, from the stones that were their focus of the temple right to the end. When are you coming again? When are you going to return? You're talking about going somewhere, and as Thomas once said, we don't even know where you're going. How can we follow you? But you have said you're going somewhere, and you are telling us you're going to come back again. So when will you be coming back? And what are the signs we should be looking for when this whole world, as we know it, the age of it has come to an end? Now, in response to that, you have both chapter 24 and 25. But I want to focus on verses 36 to 44 in Matthew chapter 24. Now, he's talking about essentially the social condition. That's what I'd like to focus on today, of the day. Let's not get caught in all the minutiae of, of these chapters. So a lot of people just get so caught in the, in the, in the arguments of, 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 is he coming pre-tribulation? Is he coming mid-tribulation? Is he coming post-tribulation? You'll hear, if you're not familiar with those, you'll eventually hear about these things. And I liken it to people going to a football game or a baseball game and arguing about who's going to be the referee or the umpire and actually missing the game. So you can get so stuck in the smaller details. Trust, trust me, when he comes, we're all going at the same time. So don't worry about it, okay? It's all going to happen. I remember Brother Dave used to say he was a pan-tribulationist, believing it'll all pan out in the end. So let's just, let's just stick to the, the text of Scripture and not worry about the smaller details. Of that day and hour, chapter 24, verse 36, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. In other words, so if anybody tells you that Christ is coming October the 6th at 2.12 in the afternoon, you can just write them off right away. And, and many have done that. Many have tried that. I remember we had a group. How many here remember the group that came to New York City with signs? They'd be outside the church, and Jesus is coming. I think it was like September 21st at 4 in the afternoon kind of thing. 
get ready. And there was a lot of them. They came and they were part of this church that believed that. I met a guy in the street and (laughs) invited him for lunch on September 22nd. I said, you're going to be needing a friend the day after he doesn't come. No one knows, not even the angels, but only my father knows that day. But, he says in verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And so he's immediately moving from focusing on a time and a date and such like that to the season and the social climate that will be prevalent, may I say, in that season. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now, eating and drinking is not wrong. Neither is marrying and giving in marriage. The, the context, what, it, what he's speaking about is there, there'll be an un, the, the people will be unaware of the season that they're living in. They'll just be carrying on as if everything is going to go on the same as it's always been. That's exactly what happened in the days of Noah. And they did not know, verse 39, until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So generally speaking, the society as we know it all around us will not be aware of the hour. But the Bible says that you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. We're children of light. We're children of the day. We should be aware of the season we're living in. I honestly feel that I might be alive when Christ returns for his church. Somebody said to me after this morning's service, they said, that must, that must be soon then. <laughs> You're probably right. I might be alive. I've had that sense in my heart for years. that I might live to see this event called the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. We'll get into that in a moment where Christ comes There's a moment coming in history, folks, where God the Father leans over to the Son and says, Son, go get your church. And suddenly Jesus says, Gabriel, get the trumpeters, get the horns. Let's let's blow the trumpet blast. There's going to be a, a great shout from heaven. And the Bible says the dead in Christ will be raised first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be gathered together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Folks, that's in the Bible. That's biblical truth. There is going to be a gathering from the earth of the church. But I'm going to show you what that might look like based on the days of Noah. It's amazing when you start looking at it. Now, a man named Noah was building a place of safety for his family, which would lift all of them above and out of the flood that was soon coming upon the ungodly. He was was building a boat an ark of safety. He heard the words of God. And their whole society at that time is not hearing the words of God, but there was one man called Noah that actually heard what God was speaking. And Noah began to build based on the uh, the word of God, which is why a biblical worldview is so important right now. We can't just build our lives on emotion or songs or or just going to church. And all of those things are good. We have to have those things. But our, our lives have got to be built. Our, our pursuits have to be built on the Word of God. There has to be this biblical worldview. And obviously Noah had a biblical worldview in his time. The biblical worldview is that the world is about to be judged by God because of the weight of its sin. But God has prepared a place of safety for those who can hear what he's speaking to his people. And for you and I today, that place of safety is in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's in the shed blood of the Son of God. 
It's in the promise of the Son of God. I will never leave you or forsake you. I've not come to judge the world, but I came that the world might be saved. When you came to Christ and gave him your life as your Lord and Savior, you entered into the ark of safety that's been provided for this generation. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 talks about Noah not just building the ark at this time, but he was a, a preacher of righteousness, a, a, a voice that, that's saying essentially to the people, judgment's coming, folks. The weight of sin has become intolerable to God in this world. There are lines you can't cross with God. And when those lines are crossed, God says, I'm sorry, I, I, would, I would like to extend time, but I can't. There's something in the heart of God. There's something about the nature of God and the holiness of God. And looking down on the creation, when he has created humankind in his image and we have allowed debauchery to, to get a hold of us to the point where we're, in a sense, not, not able to even hear anymore the cautions of the word of God. And he looks down and says, it, it, it can't go on anymore. And folks, I, I feel in my heart we're so close to that line now. We're, we're, as in the days in Sodom, when the, the Sodomites were, were trying to find the door and break down the door to, to force the innocents, as it was, to be partakers of their sin. They had crossed the line that cannot be crossed in the kingdom of God. It was, it was at that point that the, angel took, the angels took the hands of Lot and his, his wife and his daughters and took them out. It, it's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in our generation as it's happened in generations before us. And can you imagine the mockery which he had to endure while building a boat in a place where some had said it never rained? Can you imagine? The, the, you're building this boat and everybody's walking by and it's, look at that stupid old man. You know, it's just like some people, if they hear this message online, say, look at that stupid old preacher in New York City talking about the judgment of God coming. Second Peter chapter 3 in verses 3 to 10, this is what Peter says about our day. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So in the last days, scoffers will rise. And, and folks, these are people in the church. You understand? These, many of these scoffers are going to be behind pulpits. Jesus himself said there's going to be great religious deception in the last days. Many are going to be deceived, and the deception will increase as the days get darker. The false prophets will be there all the way through, and they will literally start abounding if they're not already here in the house of God. And the scoffers arise because other voices are rising up and saying, get right with God because Jesus is coming. And they will... People will maybe take a, a copy of the message and give it to them, and they will say, oh, don't listen to that. Oh, those old guys are always talking about gloom and doom. Listen, this world's still got lots to offer us. Live your best days. Be your best you now. There's so much ahead of us. Stock market is going to bounce back. You're going to be able to get that job in that house. And the whole focus is not on eternal things, but on the things of this world. And they say, don't listen to these guys because... Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue from the beginning of creation. Listen, Paul believed this, and, and he died, and Jesus didn't come. Peter believed it. He died. Jesus didn't come. So-and-so said it. He died. Jesus didn't come. So why would you listen to this guy or these guys now? Because all things are carrying on just as they have from the beginning of creation. 
But Peter goes on in verse 5 and says, For this they willfully forget. Not, it's not negligence, it's willful. They put it away. That by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, Peter is saying the only reason the world hasn't been judged now is because of the kindness of our God. He waits. There's, if there's still a heart that's looking for him, if there's still somewhere, somebody sighing in the night and saying, oh God, are you real? Are you really there? Can you really help me? For the sake of somebody that can still hear, he will be kind and he will withhold his hand of justice. But, again, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and all godliness? I want you to think this through for a moment. Carl Oppenheimer, who invented the, the nuclear, the atom bomb, actually, in World War II, was a nuclear scientist. And when they detonated the atom bomb for the first time, he knew something that I think a lot of people are willfully ignorant of today. They just don't want to think about it. But he knew something. He knew this device had the capability of actually igniting the atmosphere around the Earth. Think it through for a moment. And what he had developed back then, we have weapons that are so much more powerful now. And they're in the hands of unstable people all over the world now. Our time might be shorter than, than we'd like to think it is. And if there is a nuclear war, here's a, here's a, a quiz for you. Guess what the prime target is in, New, in uh, North America? New York City. That's the one thing everybody talks about. So if you're going to get right with God, it might be a good time <laughs> to think about that. You know, as I often say, one nuclear bomb can change your whole day. In the time of, of judgment that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24, he likened it to the season of Noah in Genesis chapter 7. It talks about the people who entered into the ark, Noah and his family entered in, male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And now the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. God shut the door. There is a season, there is a time where mercy ends. There's a time when the door is shut. You know, in the scriptures it says, because they received not the love of the truth, God gave them over to delusion, that they should believe a lie. There's a moment. Can you imagine? I shared this morning, I said, 
hell is bad enough as it is. And we don't understand what being in a place for eternity where God is not is like. Even the worst of sinners, God's still omnipresent in this world. Even when you're in a bar and you're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, the Holy Spirit is still pursuing you, still whispering. There's still an evidence of God. His mercy is still available. But we don't understand what it would be like one day to be in a place where God is not. The Bible describes it in different ways. And whether they're literal or whether they're just metaphorical, I don't know. But I know that there's a darkness there so thick it doesn't carry the sound of your voice. So you can scream all you want in hell and nobody will ever hear you for all of eternity. There's, there's no connection with anything. Right? You imagine just spending eternity in a place like that. And the Bible says it's a place where the worm never dies. The conscience never stops turning. Can you imagine if you don't make it to heaven, if you don't receive Christ as your Savior, if you choose to ignore the words you're hearing today, if you put it away this, this day of God's retribution on the earth, you put it far from you, can you imagine one day you end up in a place where God is not forever, but you will remember being here this day. You will remember my voice. You will remember this, this, this message that was preached. You will recall the opportunity you were given to receive Christ as your Savior. Am I trying to scare you? Absolutely. You better believe I'm trying to scare you because there's reason to be scared. We don't play games with the Holy God. Listen, eternity is a long time to be wrong. God sent his son on the cross, and it, it wasn't just for some vain display of religion. He sent his son so that every person is now without excuse who ever hears this message. There's nowhere else to go. There's no other truth. Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you can't come to the Father except through me. There's no other way. Not through religion, not through works, not through singing songs, not through being a nice person. You can help everybody across the street with the groceries from now till the day you die. That won't get you into heaven. Only confidence in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for your sin will give you a guarantee of eternal life. This is a serious message. You think of all the people that have ignored it for all the centuries since Christ. You imagine if, if we could just have a window into hell this very moment, if we could just open the gate. you imagine the screams down there? Could you imagine the, the intercession that's going on? Not for themselves. They know there's no, no, no chance. But as Jesus said in the Scriptures, this, this man who was in hell cried out, Father Abraham, send somebody to my family. Send somebody to those who are still alive on the earth and warn them about this place. Hell is a real place, just as heaven is a real place. But in the day of God's judgment on the earth, the Scripture says those who took seriously the provision of God, the, the, ark, of, the ark that was built in Noah's day was a type of salvation in Jesus Christ. And those who took seriously the provision of God went inside the ark, and then God closed the door. And the, as the judgment came down on the earth, the ark was lifted up above it. That's the promise of God for his church in this last day. As the judgment of God comes upon this world with famines and wars and pestilences and, and unbelievable conflict and hardship and difficulty, even the stars of heaven being shaken, the Scripture says, the people of God, as in the days of Noah, are going to be lifted up out of this world by the power, by the presence, and by the mercy of God. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The trumpet of God is going to sound. The dead in Christ will be raised first. 
then we who are alive and remain will be gathered together with them, and so shall we ever be in the presence of the Lord. I've often thought, I said, oh God, let the rapture of the church happen while we're in church singing, while we're preaching the gospel, while people are coming forward and receiving Christ as the Savior. Let the trumpet sound and let us go into the heavens. What a shout that's going to be. What a day that's going to be. What a glorious moment that's going to be when we realize, God, it was worth the ridicule. It was, it was worth the struggle. It was, it was worth standing when everyone else was falling. It, it was worth holding the truth when everyone else was letting it fall through their fingers. Oh, God, it was worth it. Oh, God, thank you for saving my family. Thank you, Lord, for answering my prayers and not letting my children or my grandchildren or my cousins or my brothers or my sisters or my aunts and uncles die in their sin. God, thank you for moving heaven and earth to answer my prayer. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the courage to stand and preach the gospel in an unpopular time. Thank you for giving us the backbone not to cave under the scorn of men. Would have been so easy for Noah just to say, oh, boys, hang up your tools. This is nuts. We're building this thing for years. Everybody, all they do is mock. Nobody listens to my, I preach to them every morning. And I tell them about the judgments coming on the world. And they just laugh and they wave their hands at me. It's that crazy old man in his boat. Why don't we just pack it in, sons? Thank God he didn't do that. Thank God he stood. Thank God he was faithful because his, his family would have been very, very thankful when this was all over. You can be sure of it. Now, in the context of the ark of Noah being lifted up from the earth and the rapture of the church, now we go back to Matthew chapter 24, verse 39. Let's go back to verse 38. In the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So I said it before, unaware unaware of how close they were to the return of Christ, to the end of things as we know them. They did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. They didn't know. God help us not to hold the truth to ourselves. God help us. Imagine getting to the throne of God and people you worked with, people you live beside walk up and look at you and say, you knew this? You knew this? Day was coming? Why didn't you tell me? I might have mocked you, but at least you could have warned me. At least I would have known. Then two men will be in the field, one taken and the other left. That talks about the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. One, two in the field. Two, two guys are at work, whether they work at Citibank or they work at a janitor's place or they work in a restaurant, maybe in a kitchen, cooking together. And one man's telling the other one about Christ. Oh, since I came to Jesus, it's so changed my life. It's, it's, I feel so free. I feel like my, my sin is forgiven. I feel like I have the promise of a new life that's come into my heart. Oh, Bob, won't you consider giving your life to Christ? Then suddenly gone. The spatula hits the grill. The cook's hat falls on the ground gone. Two men will be in the field. One is taken, the other left. Two women grinding at the mill. One is taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore be also ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour 
you do not expect. You see, Jesus is saying, don't let your house be broken into. Now, we are the dwelling place of God. My house, I'm, my name is Carter Conlon, by the way, and I have a house, and this is my house. Here it is. You see, I'm an eternal being. This is just a container that's carrying me right now. When this container dies, Carter Conlon is going to live forever. This is my house. And, Joe, this, and Jesus said, if you would have known when, when this day was going to happen, when the thief was going to come, you would have not let your house be broken into. You wouldn't let the thinking of this world get a hold of your mind. You would have taken seriously the things of God. You would embrace the truth of God. As the psalmist once said, it's, Oh God, put your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Even though I have to endure mockery and indifference to what I'm, I believe and what, what the truth is to my heart and mind, God, don't let my house be broken into. You see, that's what happens. Jesus said false prophets will arise. Well, these are thieves. They're going to break into the house. They're going to break into your mind. They're going to break into your heart. They're going to break into the inward parts of your life. They're going to lead you in a path you shouldn't be going on. Infuse thoughts that are not from God. They're going to break into your house. But if the good man had known in what hour Christ was going to come, he would not have let his house be broken into. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Paul the Apostle says in Ephesians 6, everything in Ephesians 6 about put on the whole armor of God is all about the Word of God. It's all about a biblical worldview, folks. Put on the helmet of salvation. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Paul says whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is of virtue, whatever is of good report, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Put that helmet on your head. The helmet of God's Word. Don't believe everything that everybody says. Check it yourself in the Word of God. Don't even believe what I'm telling you. Check it in the Word of God for yourself. Make sure your house Make sure, secure the windows, secure the doors. Make sure the thief can't get into your house. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, the things in your mind from the Word of God have got to go deeper and into your heart. You have to love the Word of God. Oh, how I love thy Word, the psalmist says. Oh, God, it's so sweet to my taste. Even the things that are bitter are sweet to my taste. I don't try to just eat the things I like and put the rest of it away. But, oh, God, I love your word. Let it go from your head and get into your heart. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. Put on the shoes. And put it, let your loins be girt about with truth. Your loins speaks of the totality of your being. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are passed away and all things are become new. Say, God, not just my head, not just my heart, but the totality of my being. Let your word, oh God, change me. God, make me into the person you want me to be. Don't let me be led astray from what you have for my life. Let your plan be my plan. Let your journey be my journey. Let your words be my words. God, everything that you are and you have for me, let it be who I've become. Let there be a yearning in your inward parts. Oh, God, I want the life that you have for me. 
I don't care who laughs. I don't care who mocks what I'm building. Let them mock and let them laugh because I'm going into eternity with God and eternity is a long, 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 long time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take the sword of the Spirit, that's the Word of God again, in your hand and be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have in you in this last hour of time. Have your shoes of sharing the gospel upon your feet. It's again the Word of God. It's the biblical worldview. That's why what Pastor Tim teach, is teaching in this church is so important right now to all of us. Praying with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. When you know the Word of God, your prayer life comes alive because now you know the heart of God, the mind of God, what you should be praying for in God. You suddenly touch and tap into the power of God that's available in prayer. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to be 70 in September, and I'm more alive than I've ever been in my life. Thank God for His presence. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for His Word, which is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Thank God that He's put in my heart a new song. And many shall see it and fear and trust in God. Thank God for every door He's opening. Thank God. I don't care who laughs anymore. Let them laugh. Let them mock. I'm building an ark of safety in Christ Jesus. And whosoever will is invited in to know that they're safe and secure in the future. Therefore, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Amen. I'm not talking to the unsaved now. Coming to the church. Amen. His disciples. I'm coming at a time when you do not expect it. I think of this a lot lately when I'm putting on my shoes in the morning, when I'm brushing my teeth, <laughs> when I'm having my first coffee. God, it could be today. It could be now. You are coming at a time when I do not expect it. I'm, I'm just going through my day and I'm just doing the stuff I have to do and I have a list of things that need to be done. And then suddenly, oh, suddenly, I had a dream one time, and I was out in the field with Pastor Teresa and another friend of ours, and we were just working in the field in the dream, even though we didn't do that, but we were, we had a, I had a hoe and somebody else had a rake, and we're working in the field, and suddenly we began to lift off the earth. And Pastor Teresa, she's in the air, she's going, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And the other lady there is going, it's the rapture, it's the rapture, it's the rapture. And I got my hoe in my hand. We're now 200 feet in the air. And I thought, well, this better be the rapture or we're in big trouble. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? There's only one guarantee of eternal life and safety, and it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to a cross 2,000 years ago and paid the price on that cross for your sin and for my sin so that the penalty and power of sin could be broken, so that we can have an assurance. He is the ark of God. Jesus Christ is the ark. Everything in the Bible points to him. Everything in the Bible is just a type of him, the ultimate redemption of humankind. The door of God's heart is wide open through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
There is no reason not to enter in. There's no legitimate or sensible reason not to enter in, especially now as we see this world degenerating all around us in the fashion that it is. The time to enter into the ark of safety that God's provided through His Son is now by the grace of Almighty God. Because, folks, realistically, we don't know that we have it tomorrow. I shared that one Tuesday night I was preaching here years ago, and I felt something in my heart. I was, my heart got heavy at the end, and, and I kept, even though there was a lot of people responded, I, I, I said, there's somebody here, this might be your last day. And I, I just couldn't get over it. He said, you don't see life that way, but you don't know what the future holds. Would you consider giving your life to Christ? And, and I waited and waited, and nobody came. Not that, that I could foresee or, or that I felt was the person that the Lord was speaking to. We left the church. We went to a restaurant down on 8th or somewhere like that. And we were just, just sat down. And we, they gave us a table at the window, Pastor Teresa and I, for dinner. And a, a man walking by. There's, the crowd is leaving. They're still coming out of the church. And the man walking by just falls right where we were at our table on the sidewalk, dead. Died of a heart attack. I ran out of the restaurant to see if he could be revived, but he was, he was dead. He was only about 40, 42 years old. And I looked if he had a Bible in his hand. I said, God, is this the man that you cried out for tonight? Is this the man that believed he had a thousand tomorrows? That today wasn't the day that he would stand before holy God? Could this be the one? I wasn't sure. I still don't know. It's possible. They were coming in that direction and from this direction. The question in my heart is, are you ready? Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready? Are you ready? You see, when Noah and his family got into the ark, God shut the door. And when God shuts the door, no one can open it. That's in the Bible. He said to the church of Philadelphia, I set before you an open door that no man can close. But the reverse is true. When God opens the door, no one can shut it. But when God shuts the door, no one can open it. And the moment of grace is available now. The moment of forgiveness is here now. The moment of finding the security in God is here now. The moment to, 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 to be trained in the ways of God, to, to find his thought life, to find his, the new heart, the new mind, the new spirit, to find the courage that you'll need to stand, and the assurance that when life is over, heaven is your eternal home, is now. Don't wait for the rain to start. You know, so many people come to church and say, well, when all hell breaks out, I know where to go. They knew where to go, too. Can you imagine the hundreds of people banging on the side of that ark? And there's nothing Moses could do because God closed the door. You know, you say, Pastor, you're trying to scare us? Yes. Yeah, I am. But sometimes that's what it takes. That we just deal with reality. This is coming. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready for him when he comes? And so, Father, I thank you this afternoon, Lord, for the, the courage and the opportunity and the privilege of declaring your heart. But, oh, God, how it must break your heart when even one person sitting here has heard this and, and doesn't turn to the truth, puts it off for another day. 
Oh, Lord Jesus, how many times has that happened throughout history? Father God, in your precious name, I plead with you, Lord, today. I plead, God, for every soul in this, in this sanctuary and every soul listening online. I plead for them, God. I, I don't know what else I can do. But I come to your throne because your word tells us that if the Holy Spirit doesn't draw a person, they can't come to you for salvation. So, Holy Spirit, would you draw right now? Would you draw? Would you draw? Would you, would you give courage to the people who live outside of forgiveness or those who are living in a valley of decision? They don't know which way to go. Those that are cowering under the, the threats of this present generation, God, would you give them the, the courage to step up and step out? And to say, I'm going with God. No matter what happens, I'm going with God. Oh, God, please. God, please. Have mercy today. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy on every soul. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you, God. For those that are here today and those that are online who could just honestly say, Pastor, wow. <laughs> just... It's gone right through my heart. And I, I feel like I'm the only one in the room that God's been speaking to. And I recognize that he's, when you have that feeling in your heart that you're the only one that's being spoken to, it's because God is speaking directly to you by the Holy Spirit and pulling you towards himself, drawing you. In the book of Hebrews, it says, if you can hear his voice, don't resist it. Don't harden your heart against the voice of God. Do what I did 40-something years ago, and I just got out of my seat. And I felt like the least usable person in the entire kingdom of God. But I said, God, if you're calling me, I'm coming. I'm coming to you. I'm bringing all my baggage and all my stuff, and you're going to have to just take me as I am. And the Lord says, Done. It's a deal. You give me all your failure. You give me your struggle. You give me your confusion. You give me your anger. You give me your trials. And you give me your addictions. I give you my son. I give you forgiveness. I give you a new mind. I give you a new heart. I give you a new spirit. I give you a new future. I give you a new calling. I give you new giftings you don't have. I give you a whole. I give you an eternity in heaven. What a trade. What an exchange that is. So if you can hear him calling you to Please, please, if you can hear him calling. We're going to stand up. I'm going to ask you just to slip out of your seat and just come forward. And we're going to pray together, okay? Let's keep it real simple. Won't ask you to do anything foolish. Just come. Balcony, those in the balcony, go to either exit and make your way down. Join these. Come on in. Come on in, my buddy. God bless you, man. God bless you. What a pleasure. Good. God bless you. Bless you. Come on in. Just slip out. Come on, don't delay. Don't put it off till tomorrow. You don't even know you have it tomorrow. Just join these that are coming now. Every, just keep doing it. Just keep coming. Just slip out. Slip out. Slip out. Slip out. Maybe. God bless you. Even, just keep coming. Come on. Even turn to the person beside you and ask them if they're safe. Go ahead. And if they're not, just say, I'll go with you. If you want to go, I'll go with you. Let's, let's, let's do this together today. Somebody might be just in the valley of decision right now and they're not sure or they're afraid. 
You won't be asked to do anything foolish. You don't worry about that part of it. We're just going to pray together. Just, just keep coming. Come on. Keep coming. Keep coming. There's more.
Reach in the power of the blood The power of the blood There's power in the blood Power in the blood You're healed today time it was like all my thoughts for my life visions and dreams died and I thought I guess this is what I do the rest of my life and I was at a meeting with some friends a dinner a friend of mine said I'm going to India 
and I'm going for four to six weeks. And as she said this, this electric shock went through my body. And I went home and my spiritual mom said to me, why don't you move towards going and see if God opens or closes the door. And that week I started moving towards it. God gave me so many confirmations that I should go to India. It was so clear. Finally, I thought, I'll go in January, I'll go for one year. January of 97, had a tearful goodbye with my family at the airport, just crying. It was so strange. None of us knew what was really happening. Got off the plane, middle of the night, God spoke to my heart, still small voice, you're at home. I'm Monica Paiti Pamela, a nice Indian name. <laughs> I'm from Whitemouth, Manitoba, Canada small town there, and I'm living now in Vishakhapatnam, India. Well, thank you so much for having us here. Um, it's truly an honor. Monica, what is your testimony of Jesus? Well, Jesus touched my life at a very young age. I was seven years old. I was in revival meetings in our little Baptist church, and I heard the gospel so clear that night. The preacher was saying, you know, you're a sinner, you need Jesus. Jesus will cleanse your sins and forgive you of all your sins. And even though I was only seven, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was not light and I was unclean. And it, it just gripped me. And I went to the front, knelt down and gave my life to Jesus, prayed the sinner's prayer. And as soon as I stood up, I felt like a new person. I felt like I could fly. I was clean, and I right away said, Jesus, I want to serve you with all my life. And that was the beginning of my journey with Jesus, and I just wanted to obey him. And the next step with that was getting baptized. So when I was 10, I got baptized in our Baptist church, and just out of obedience to God, I wanted to follow him. That was the next step. Very soon after that, I just felt a calling for missions. I can't say specifically what it was, but I went to Bible camp every summer for one week, and there there was a lot of missionaries sharing their stories in Africa of what they were going through. And I know through that, God used that just to touch my heart and show me or just give me a desire to be a missionary. So one day when I was 12, I told my mom, I'm going to be a missionary someday. And I remember a tear running down her cheek as I looked up at her, and that was the beginning of my journey of God preparing me to um, live in India, where I've been now for 26 years. Now, for your parents, obviously that was a, a, a touching moment, but why, why was that such a impactful moment for your parents, and how did they feel as their little girl is telling them, I want to be a missionary. Do you have insight as to what was going through through their mind or what they were feeling? So my mom's tear later, she shared with me that she wanted to be a missionary. And many times she had begged my dad, let's sell the farm, let's leave everything, let's go and be missionaries. And my dad was not willing or able to do that. He wanted to support our family. And so when I shared that with my mom, it was like she knew, you know, God had given me to her to fulfill her heart's desire. And before I was born, she expected a boy, not a girl. Uh, every time she had girls, she had very difficult labors and deliveries. 
So she, my sister was the eldest, very difficult, then a boy, then a girl, very difficult and stillborn, and then two boys, and then my mom prayed for one more girl. And she got pregnant with me, and it was such an easy pregnancy, such an easy labor. She knew it was a boy. <laughs> and when I came out and they told her it's a girl, she said, check again. It's got to be a boy. She was shocked. But the Lord told her before I was born, watch and see the wonderful things I will do. Mm. And, yeah, that's how God gave me to my parents. For his purposes and really I see the fulfillment of my mom's desire to be a missionary to serve the Lord with her life and she couldn't do it but I've had the privilege of doing it and my mom passed away in July and we found a little book booklet of hers we never knew it existed and my mom wrote when I told her that God called me to India, God called me to be a missionary here. She was really struggling, actually, because as the youngest of five kids, she thought she would never see me again. She didn't know anything about India, and she thought, that's, that's it, I won't see my daughter anymore. And she was really crying out to the Lord. And God spoke to her. God touched her at that time very deeply. So she wrote in this little book, in German, God touched me in a wonderful way on May 10th, 1997, through His Holy Spirit, so that I could commit Monica completely to Him to be on the mission field as a missionary, which was my desire when I was young. So she was deeply touched. God spoke to her, just like David wanted to build the temple, but it was for Solomon to build. My mom wanted to be the missionary, but it was for me to, to fulfill that. That's what God spoke to her, and that gave her peace to really release me to follow God's call on my life to be a missionary to India. And she never, all these years, tried to hold me back. God gave her grace so that I could see her every year, my parents, my family, every year. She thought she wouldn't see me, and God you know, gave grace for that. And God um, just used her, her prayers. He kept her till she was almost 89 to be like a prayer backing for me as a missionary. And I'm so thankful. He gave her grace and he gave me grace to be a missionary all these years here in India. Wow. Monica, could you tell us about that or just your testimony with missions? Um how did that happen? How did the Lord begin to take you on this journey uh, to become a missionary? Well, as we know, even though God has a plan and purpose for our life, the enemy always wants to distract from that and keep us from that and use different things to, to destroy God's call on our life. And so growing up as a teenager, at all my growing up years, I was very shy. I was very quiet. And I became very fearful, very lonely. And in my teenage years especially, just that, that deep feeling of loneliness and insecurity and not feeling worthwhile, not feeling any purpose for life. And then even uh, coming to the point of being bitter 
you know, unforgiveness and bitterness and for my, in my life, feeling like my dad didn't do me justice to be the dad I expected him to be. I put up a high standard. He didn't reach that. I became bitter towards him. And, but God brought me to the point where I could forgive him of my expectations. It wasn't anything he did or didn't do. It was my expectations that he didn't live up to. I was able to forgive him from my heart and release him, you know, to be the, the dad he could be. And as a farmer, he was busy. He was struggling as a farmer. So it was hard for him to, to be a dad sometimes to us kids. But, uh, you know, God really changed that relationship over the years, healed it from my heart and blessed it so much. I'm so thankful for my parents, my dad. But that bitterness darkened my life for many years. And it was such a burden on my shoulders and uh, really brought in like the enemy, allowed the enemy to come in darkness in my life for many years. So after high school, I just really struggled and even became depressed. I came under depression and a darkness, and I didn't know what to do with my life. I didn't know what was the next step for me. A half a year later, I was still floundering, and suddenly God just moved in, and within 10 days, I was in Bible school. Just like that, I somebody said, I think you should go to Bible school. Gave me an application. I filled it out. I was in Bible school. God just started moving preparing me for what he had for me. When I went to Bible school, the first people God brought into my life were people with mission hearts, hearts for missions, hearts for the nations, hearts for people groups. And everybody in my two and a half years of Bible school, every friend God gave me had a heart for missions. And I struggled with that. I was like, I don't have that. What is wrong with me? I feel a call for missions, but I have no clue where or to who or what. And over the years, it was actually six years of God preparing me for India. Right after Bible school, desiring also to get married, I prayed. And actually, I came across a I heard a cassette tape of Ravi Zacharias talking about courtship. And in it, he talked about how parents should involve and the guy should go to the parents and ask permission and all this. And I just thought, okay, that's interesting and different. But out of that, I also read the Isaac and Rebecca story, how God brought Rebecca to Isaac. And when when she saw him, She knew that was her husband. So right after Bible school, I started praying that way. Lord, arrange my marriage. I never heard of arranged marriages. I don't know why I pray that. India has arranged marriages, which is where I ended up. But I said, God, arrange my marriage. Show me clearly who you want me to marry. I want to know that I know that I know that's the person. And I really committed that to the Lord. And I said, I'm not dating anymore. I will wait until you show me who my husband is. So that began this six-year journey of waiting for God to show me who my husband was. And also I was waiting for God to show me what he had for my life, where he wanted me to go. I, I didn't have any aspirations, really. I didn't want to settle down and have a career. I just knew I wanted to go, but I had no idea where to go. So in these six years, 
God took me on a journey of doing different things, different ministry-oriented things, missions. I went to Malaysia. I went with Youth with a Mission. I did day camps in northern Manitoba to the Indian children, uh, like summer camps. I did different things. I did a computer training. And all of it, looking back, was all God preparing me for what he had for me. So it was really a journey, but still there was no clarity where I should go, what I should do. Kept praying and just waiting, and God was working on my heart. God was preparing me. God was teaching me many things. He was healing my heart of different things and uh, breaking bondages off my life. And I prayed, God, I, I don't want to enter marriage with bondage. And, you know, God was working on me and setting me free from different things. So that was the journey I was on for around six years. Did you ever uh, deal with uh, just impatience and, and wanting to do things your like your own way? You know, six years is a is, it's quite a long time. Did you ever deal with that for just for people even listening that maybe are in that space? Yes, waiting is one of the hardest things to do. And when I was waiting, especially for marriage. And I thought, maybe this person, maybe this person. I was trying to help God sometimes. And at one point, God gave me a saying, not a Bible verse, but a saying. He gives his very best to those who leave the choice to him. And when I read that, I knew, you know, wait for God's best. Don't try to make something happen. And I had my failures along the way, but God really... Help me to see that if we wait, he can give us the best. And whenever I got impatient, whenever I struggled like with the why, why is nothing happening? Why, why is nothing clear? Why does it seem like God is not moving in my life? God would give me the verse, I believe it's from Psalm 37. Wait on the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. And that's what I felt God wanted me to do. Just be faithful where I was at. Whether it was doing odd jobs, working in a store, doing desk jobs, going on missions, the different things I was doing, which none felt like it was really what I wanted to be doing, it was dwell there, be there, be faithful, mm. which is a, a tension. You're always in a tension, but just, yeah, trying to be faithful where I was at. God gave me grace to do that. Now, Monica, some people may, a lot of people may not know that are watching that you and your husband now are leading one of the biggest ministries in, in, in India, and I've gotten a pleasure to kind of see some of the things that you, are, you guys are doing, and it's completely amazing. So after that waiting season, how did you get from waiting for uh, the Lord to kind of bring you your husband to now this point that you're at? How, how did that happen? So after I had done a lot of varieties of things, I had this computer training, very intensive computer training, and through that, they would get you a job. So I got a job, and it was like God was saying, settle down and be faithful. And that's where I felt like I was doing the least, the last thing I ever wanted to do. And in that time, it was like all my thoughts for my life, visions and dreams died. And I thought, I guess this is what I do the rest of my life. And I was at a meeting 
with some friends at dinner and a friend of mine said, I'm going to India and I'm going for four to six weeks. And as she said this, this electric shock went through my body. And I thought, my mind said, I want to go to India. And I thought, no, that's just your own desire again to go somewhere, to do something. You're, you're, you're settled. You need to wait. You need to stay. And then I also thought, I don't know any organizations in India where you can go long term. And I don't have the money to go. So I thought, this must not be God. It's just my own desire. And I left it. And then I, I had been living with my spiritual parents and five other girls living with them, young ladies living with this couple and being mentored spiritually. So I went to the service this evening where this Indian missionary was speaking. He gave a powerful message. Many people were on the floor, on their faces, at the altar call. And then afterwards, my spiritual parents invited him over for dinner to their home the next evening. And I came home. I didn't know that he was going to be there. I came home from work, and there was this Indian missionary at the table sharing all about love and care ministries in India. And so I joined the meal, and he was sharing all about it. And then he said to us, all us girls sitting there, he said, if any of you want to come to India and serve with Love and Care Ministries, you can come six months or a year or as long as you want. You can help in the children's homes. You can teach in the school. And you can buy just a one-way ticket. And while you're with us, we'll take care of your food and accommodation." And I remembered my thoughts just a week or so before. I don't know any opportunity in India long term, and I don't have the money to go. And I remember thinking, I could buy a return ticket, and I I could go to India. I have enough money for that. That was the beginning of a little journey, three months of God just kept bringing this to my heart. I would think, I want to go to India. And then again, I would reason, say, no, it's just your own desire. I want to go to India. No, it's just your own desire. And then I went to a missions conference by Jackie Pullinger in Winnipeg. She's a missionary in Hong Kong. And she was gave very powerful message and said, all of us must go because Jesus left his home in heaven and he went. So all of us must go. And I sat there thinking, Lord, how many times have I said, I will go? Every altar call, I would say, here I am. Send me, Lord. Teenager in my 20s, I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just show me. At this conference, hearing these words, everyone should go. I was, I became angry with the Lord. I said, Lord, I've been saying I want to go. You're not sending me. And I went home and my spiritual mom said to me, why don't you move towards going and see if God opens or closes the door? And that week, I started moving towards it. God gave me so many confirmations that I should go to India. It was so clear. And finally, I thought, I'll go in January. I'll go for one year. Because at that time, you could only get a one-year visa. I was ready to do that, but I needed to speak with this Indian missionary who had come to Canada, uh, the leader of Love and Care Ministries. So I found his business card. I called him up and in India. And I said, you know, I met you in Winnipeg, and I feel like God is calling me to come to your ministry and serve. And he said, come in January and come for one year. 
And that was the final confirmation I needed. That was November of 96. January of 97, had a tearful goodbye with my family at the airport, just crying. It was so strange. None of us knew what was really happening, but God knew, and it was a send-off. And I came, flew to India all alone, got off the plane, middle of the night, dark. God spoke to my heart, still small voice, you're at home. First time God ever spoke in that still small voice. It was so clear, you're at home. I was so excited to be on the foreign mission field. I had waited so long for this. I was thrilled that God was finally showing me where he had for me. And I thought, I'll spend three years in India. I'll give my three years to India, and I'll go back to Canada and see what else God has for my life. So I came over to Vishakapatnam to the ministry here, and uh, the first days was like I was I was just jumping for joy to just be here to see what God had for me. And within a few days, it was just becoming clear this is, this was, I felt so at home here. It was a busy time in the ministry when I got here. We were traveling from city to city. We went to six major cities in four weeks doing four crusades, four nights of crusades in each city. And every day we would go to the villages to share the gospel. 30 foreigners doing this, going to the villages to share the gospel. It was such a powerful time. And in these three weeks, just God was working in my heart and helping me feel just so at home here. And then Yesupadam, who was the Indian missionary in Canada, the leader, founder, and director, and leader of Love and Care Ministries. He founded it in 1990. I came here January of 97. I saw him here and I heard him share the vision of the ministry and what God had called them to, to go to the unreached people, make disciples of all nations, reach the unreached, share the gospel, care for the poor, the underprivileged, you know, go where where nobody has heard the gospel before, to the tribal people, all these things I heard him share and I I found out after getting here that his first wife had passed away with cancer in 94 and he had two grown children. They were in their early 20s. They were studying and I found that out and I was just became part of the team that was traveling. I was the only Canadian and many Americans and Koreans, South Koreans that were here and we were traveling from city to city for four weeks and three weeks down the road. Um, I just had a conversation with Yesupanam and listening to him share about the ministry. And this God put this burden on my shoulders to pray for him. And it was so strong. I felt like literally I was carrying the burden he was carrying for the ministry, for the work here in India. And for three days I had that burden. I began to really pray for him. And I began to pray for a wife for him in that time, in these three days. It was very strange, but I was just praying, really crying out for him. And on the third day of this burden, we were at a crusade meeting, a night meeting, sharing the gospel. He uh, he gave the altar call. A, uh American pastor gave the message. Yesupam gave the altar call. That night I was so burdened for him. And then suddenly the burden lifted. It was like it was gone. 
and I was free. And then he asked all of us, Yesupam asked all of us foreigners to go in the crowd and pray for the people who had not come forward for the altar call. So I went out there, I looked back towards the stage where he was, where he was speaking, and again, this still small voice, he is your husband. And this incredible peace and joy filled my heart. It was nothing I'd ever experienced before. Dating, I always had so much fear, so much struggle. Is this God? I knew marriage was the most important decision other than being saved in my life, and I didn't think I could make that decision on my own, and I was struggling so much with fear and and worry. And this time, God spoke to me, he's your husband. I had complete peace. And the joy was, it was like my life made sense. I understood what I had been prepared for. Not fully at that moment, everything I had gone through was preparation for that, but but just like I knew this is what God had for me. This is what I had been waiting for. This is why he had me pray the way I prayed, that he'd arrange my marriage, that he would show me clearly who to marry. All these things just made sense, and I was just overjoyed. I was thrilled. But of course, I only knew that. He didn't know that he was my husband and another thing that just thrilled me was that this was so unnatural i knew right away this is not your typical thing to do in life on this earth the way man looks at things but i know with god things are not natural they're supernatural they're different the normal christian life is different than what many people think it is and so i i just felt so privileged that God would choose me for something so unnatural. That night, I, I was just excited. And then I thought, how should he know that he's my husband? The next day, we started traveling back to our city. It was like a 12-hour drive, many vehicles, a convoy of vehicles driving back to Vishakapatnam. And we ended up, Yesupam and I ended up in the same vehicle Around 7 in the morning, we're driving along, and then I started praying, Lord, what do I do? Do I tell him? Because I grew up, a woman should never tell the man, God told me you're my husband and all this. So I was leery of that. But I was praying, Lord, what do I do? Do I speak to him? Do I tell him this? And suddenly we had a flat tire in the middle of nowhere, right beside a hut. One hut, middle of nowhere. Him and I ended up staying at the side of the road by this hut while everybody left with the vehicle to fix the flat tire, to fix the spare tire. And so we ended up sitting there by this hut, and I knew God wanted me to tell him. And I said, I need to tell you something. Last night, God spoke to me that you're my husband. And... I wasn't looking at his face. We were sitting side by side, but he took a moment. And then his next words were, let's go sit on the other side of the cot we were sitting on because I want to see the vehicle coming back. So he bought a little time. And then we began to share our lives. And he shared his life and different things. And it was just amazing seeing how God clearly led us together. After his first wife passed away from cancer, He didn't want to marry again. They'd been married 21 years. 
after around a year, other leaders started coming to him and saying, you need to marry again. It's not good for man to be alone. They were using Bible verses on him, and it's not good for man to be alone. You need a wife as a leader of a ministry and putting pressure on him. And he said, no, I don't want to marry again. I want to be alone with Jesus the rest of my life. And they put more pressure on him. So he prayed a prayer he thought God couldn't answer because maybe some prayers are impossible for God. I don't know. But he prayed a prayer he thought God could not answer or wouldn't answer. And he said, if I should marry again, she should be white-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and come and ask me. So when I told him God spoke to me, he realized I was the answer to this prayer that he didn't want answered. But in time, he realized it was God's grace, God's provision to bring us together for greater purposes, especially for the international part of the ministry. Uh, He had been traveling many years, but I could then go along with him, travel to the nations, work together uh, in the nations. So that's how God brought us together. And, yeah. Now, Monica, if we can just kind of sum up what you have seen in these, how long have you been married now? Almost 25 years. 25 years. 26 years in India. Wow. So if if we can sum up even like these these 26 years, Mm -hmm. you cried out to God wanting to be a missionary. You end up marrying uh, an Indian missionary. You're in India. What have you seen God do uh, these last 26 years as you've fully surrendered to the call of of being a missionary, being a wife, and leading love and care uh, ministries with Yesupadam? It's been an incredible 26 years in India, 25 years of marriage, two beautiful children together. Bethany and Benjamin, and my husband has two children from his first marriage. We have five grandkids. It's been an incredible journey here. I would be the last person to say that it's easy. Just because we follow God's call and we're in the center of his will does not mean it is easy. It's a battle all the time. It's not easy. But the things I've experienced, the things God has brought us through, the things I've seen with my own eyes, have been worth every sacrifice, every sacrifice for Jesus. The scripture God gave me at the beginning is those who leave everything, leave father and mother and children and lands and farms and everything for my sake will receive a hundredfold. And with that, persecution and eternal life. And I've seen that God, I've seen God do that in my life abundantly giving back everything I left. And then I watched India transformed with the gospel. When I came, there was so much darkness. The oppression here was so strong. It was was almost literal because idolatry is, is a curse. Idolatry brings oppression. And I felt that many years i it was such a battle i i sometimes felt i was drowning under the oppressive battle spiritually here because i wasn't used to that in canada i wasn't i didn't know how to really deal with it but god showed me over time and the prayers of the people the backing prayers of the people really helped us over the years to make an impact in this nation 
and I saw such a transformation here. There were huts not far from where we lived. Every village was huts. No roads, no running water, no facilities, no electricity. We shared the gospel village to village, door to door for years and years through our state, through other states. And I tell you, every place we went with the gospel to this day is such a blessed place. The government came in. We planted churches, but then the government came in, built houses for the people, built roads, brought electricity, brought uh, running water, brought the facilities. We started schools. Or we have schools in the different places. Like everywhere the gospel went, there was transformation. That doesn't just happen without the gospel. And so I watched India being transformed with the gospel in such a powerful way because the gospel brings light and life and beauty and, and goodness. And so everywhere we went, God blessed the place, blessed the people, changed lives. So many millions of people being saved through our ministry, through other ministries. And it's amazing what God has done in India, what I've watched him do, not just in India, in all the other nations also where we've started branches, where we've shared the gospel. It's amazing what God has done. Mm. Now, uh, Monica, for people who don't know, you mentioned uh, schools. If you could just very briefly um, go over just some of even the things that uh, in these last 26 years, the ministry love and care has established in India through sharing the gospel. What are what are some other things that you guys have done um, through just sharing the gospel and, and being led by God in India? So just sharing the gospel, like my husband felt that's that's not enough. We need to show people Jesus loves them. So we took medical teams to the villages to care for the physical needs of the people, praying for the sick caring for them medically, helping them with surgeries. You know, wherever we went with medical teams, we could plant churches. You know, people need to experience the love of Jesus, not just hear it. We started schools in many villages. We started children homes, taking the children who had no parents or one parent who would never go to school in their life, bringing them into our home and providing education, medical care, everything, clothing, everything they need freely. And then we started a disabled vocational training center. Polio was huge in India for many years. So many polio affected young adults that are considered as the worst, the lowest in society really cast away. So we were able to take these young adults, train them in computers, in printing press, and in tailoring, sewing, and then give them a sewing machine, give them an iron box to start uh, their own businesses, give them a computer, give them a bicycle so they can get around, a tricycle, different things so they could come up in life. Many of these disabled, we've trained hundreds of them, have started their own businesses, gotten jobs because they were educated. Their lives were changed. They were able now to be a blessing to the society. And then we have a nursing school to train nursing students, not just from our state, but from all over India. Nursing students come to our nursing school, Christian nursing school, and these are not Christians. So they come to us, they hear the gospel, they get baptized. That's a way to reach the nation of India. Now we are planning to start a 
100-bedded hospital, multifaceted hospital to reach the needy people, especially the tribal people. They don't have hospitals. They have to walk, carry patients miles and miles in order to get some kind of health care, but not even at a hospital. And we want to start a hospital that will cater to their needs with a helicopter to bring these patients in to help them. Our heart is really for the tribal people, the unreached people, to care for them. So these are some of the things we do through Love and Care Ministries to show them the love of Jesus, not just tell them, to show them the love of Jesus. Monica, for people who are watching your testimony right now, and even for, uh, not to put an age, but let's say, let's just say whoever is watching and feels that calling to go to, uh, uh, to the nations, to be a missionary, and maybe is in that awaiting season where they just feel like God is just not, it's just the doors are not opening, things are not happening, and they're getting discouraged. What can you say to that person who has that burning desire to go to the nations and, and serve? What can you tell them as a word of encouragement? When God has a plan and purpose for our life, He will show us, He will work it out, He will lead us to that. Our responsibility is stay connected to the Lord and do the next thing He tells us to do and do it faithfully. You know, He He is preparing us. He's helping us get to the place He wants us to go. We don't need to rush it. We don't need to go and do something just for the sake of doing something. But wait on the Lord and be obedient to what He has for us now. Be faithful to what He's asked us to do now. Sometimes we don't even know it's Him who's telling us to do it. But when we have an opportunity before us and we move towards us, when it opens up, we can be in that place and trust God is moving there. And every opportunity that opens, just walking towards it. And God is leading us towards what He has. We can keep waiting and trusting God will take us where He wants us to go. And the preparation time is very, very important to take us to where He has for us. And if He called us, He was, He'll be faithful to fulfill it. He'll show us the way. He'll speak clearly when He wants to, when He needs to speak to us clearly. For the people who are in that waiting season when it comes to even marriage, uh, a lot of times we can rush and sometimes people get discouraged in the waiting season. And what can you say to those who are watching who have that desire to be married uh, and to serve God in, in a marriage? What can you tell them watching right now? When it comes to marriage, more important than marriage is that our life is completely surrendered to the Lord. That's the starting point. So if we've completely surrendered to the Lord to do whatever He wants us to do, we can trust Him to lead us to who He has for our life and who He wants us to be with and to serve the Lord with. You know, wherever we are, we, we're serving the Lord and marriage is, is a part of that. So being faithful in the waiting period, trusting God, not having our own ideas of what our marriage should look like, not w- having a list of our wants and wishes, but really letting God lead us, whatever He has for us. I wanted a tall, blonde cowboy. God didn't give me that, but He gave me His best. He says He gives His very best if we leave the choice to Him. So just trusting God, 
waiting on him, following him with all our life, and he'll give us the best. Monica, who is Jesus to you? Without Jesus, I wouldn't exist. I wouldn't be alive. Even though I was saved when I was seven, cleansed, there was a time in my life I felt like God wasn't there. That's when I wanted to die. I didn't want to live. I can't live without him. I wouldn't be anything without Jesus. And it doesn't mean life is easy. No, even life with Jesus, is, is, it's a battle, but Jesus is everything. He saved my soul. He cleansed me, forgave me, has taken me on a journey of a lifetime. I'm so thankful for him and for, for God in my life. What would I be without him? Monica, for those who are watching your testimony, uh, do you have any last words? One thing I know from my life is God is faithful. Even when we are not faithful, I didn't live my life perfectly or do everything right, and that's why I'm on the mission field, or that's why I'm in full-time ministry. God chose the, the most foolish, the most unwise, the most insecure, the, the, the most nothing. God chose me as nothing. God chooses the things that are not to make them something. So it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter our failures. It doesn't matter our past. It doesn't matter our mistakes. We can be cleansed. We can be free from them. And God can take us on a journey for his glory. It's for his glory. It's not about us. And so surrendering our life to him, letting him lead us and guide us, take us wherever he wants to take us, do whatever he wants to do through our lives is the most amazing thing we can do while we live on this earth.
we this morning. I truly, truly, y'all see I'm quiet. I truly enjoyed that message this morning. And uh, Overseer Carter, in the name of that one, is Jesus is coming. Oh, he told it like it is. Yeah, we got to prepare daily because we know not a day or hour when God is returning. We don't know when he's coming back. And like he said, I could be having my first cup of coffee. And I'm thinking, is it today or are you coming now? You know, in the next hour, the next 15 minutes, we don't know. So we want to make sure our hearts and minds are prepared to receive him. We want to make sure we've made our callings and elections sure in him, not in the natural, not in ourselves, not about ourselves, but all about him, you see. Because when he comes back, he's looking for the church without, <clears throat> without spot or wrinkle. And so we're asking God daily to get all the spots out, get all the wrinkles out. Help us, Lord, today. Yeah, I may have a spot of gossip. I may have a wrinkle of thinking bad about people. I may have another spot of jealousy. Yeah, uh, uh, another spot of selfishness. Another spot of uh, I'm doing something that I know I really shouldn't be doing. Yeah, it may be weed smoking. It may be drinking too much. You know, it, it may be every now and then I I just got to have a hit of cocaine. I just got to snort a little bit. It, it may be every now and then I got to fornicate. I, I just can't control this fornication spirit, and it just calls me to mess with women, and I'm no good. I, I'm not ready for no marriage. I don't even have what it takes to be married, but that's that's a wrinkle in me. So, Lord, I need you to get the spots and the wrinkles out of me. Teach me today how to wash out my spots and clear completely out my wrinkles in Jesus' name. Another spot I may have, I don't witness to nobody. And when I witness to them, it's so I can get some glory. They're going to praise me. They're going to talk good about me. Lord, help me to wash that spot out. I don't want to think more of myself than I ought to. Oh, he brought that word today. And then I heard this woman give her testimony. And I used to be like that, but you saw what she got. I used to be like that. Lord, I, I needed to be 6'4". I needed to, Lord, let him be 260 pounds. Yeah, foolishness, foolishness. That's what it was. <laughs> that didn't come along either. Yeah, because God is not into foolishness. Yeah, he want to give us what's good for us. When I looked at the scripture, it said Jesus was not a man desired to look upon. He wasn't no Billy D. Williams. He wasn't no Brad Pitt, you know what I'm saying. He, he, he wasn't all of that. He wasn't no Denzel Washington. Full of the truth. And he came to do the will of him. That Look, look at his position. Look at his job. He came to do the will of him that sent him. The father sent him. He come from heaven. In the beginning, he was right there. He was the word. He's still the word today now. But in the beginning, he was the word. The word lives in us, Jesus, in our hearts. And so look, we should be excited that we got him in everything that we can do to remind us to be 
with him and to stay with him, this is what we should do. Yeah. And it's all right today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So listen, the studio is open. If anyone has something uh, they would like to say this morning, please feel free and press that number one and come in and share with us today. I'm going to this one song, and after this song this morning, if no one have nothing they would like to say, I will pray us out. If not, we have lots of time for you to come in and speak. Yeah, on God's behalf this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, Jay. What you doing, Jay? Yo, P. Jay, ready? It's the new swag, baby. Woke up this morning and I told myself, not the word God, but I cannot help. People dying innocently, hate is spreading rapidly. I'm not talking apathy, but some things God's gotta
spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah. All right, Brother Anthony, I'm coming at you right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? Bless. favor. Good morning, Ms. Barbara. Good morning, everybody listening. I want to give God thanks, first of all, for waking me up again another day. Thank you for life, ever strength, keeping my right mind, allowing me to see another day never seen before. Thank you for the activity of my limbs. I thank you for who he is in me, what he's doing in me, where he brought me from, where he's taking me. And I thank him for his love and just drawing me closer to him daily. And thank him for dying on the cross for my sins and all the other people in this world and they sin and just thank him for letting me, letting me want to know his heart and know him as my personal Lord and Savior. So I just give all the glory, honor, and praise to him. And I thank God for his ministry as well. You, Miss Barbara, as you continue to do what you doing in your ministry, through this ministry, and to others. And, you know, that God's getting the honor and the glory out of it all. And that we are able to come up here again, you know, throughout our weekday and, you know, get some spiritual food and some wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of God and, you know, his plan for our lives and what he want to do in us, you know, and the testimonies that we hear, you know, the people that, you know, are, are, are listened to on the show and the people that are connected to this ministry, you know, on this line. So it's just a blessing in itself. And um, just say good morning to you again. Uh, I ain't going to detail because I'm driving. I'm trying to stay focused. And I got, a, like I got the police behind me. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, good morning to everybody. And y'all, y'all just continue to pray for me. Keep me in y'all heart and mind and lift me up. And pray traveling mercy. And good morning to you, uh, Brother Louis, Sister Sherry, and Sister Jerry, and uh, Sister uh, Irene. Morning, y'all. This morning, and Sister Fion, Sister Rita, and uh, Sister Rose Brown, and, and all the other listeners out there. I forgot about you. I was thinking about you, and I thank God for even that word that went forth this morning about you know the uh, the marriage. You know that kind of along the lines of some things I'm going through. So it's, you know, just that God letting me know, you know, just be patient. You know, you know. One with the guy he had in my life for me, you know, and it's just a matter of me, you know, at this time just having a a, a, a relationship, a greater relationship with him, you know, improving my relationship with him. So, you know, I'm listening. I got my ears open, you know, and I just I just gotta surrender, you know, and see him with all my heart, you know, that he can do what he need to do, that his will will be done and not my will, you know. That's just being too. You know, in my in my spirit, and God been dealing with me on that. So I thank God for that and hearing that this morning. And you know, I could I could say, you know, God kind of uh, closed some doors in a uh, situation and everything. You know, and you know, I kind of kind of was hurt a little bit about it, but in a way, I wasn't because you know, I seen it's it's 
it's being uh how you say it something that reoccurring. You know, it's like a pattern. And, you know, every so often, you know, it go I go through that situation with that person. So, you know, that's just God letting me know that ain't you know, that ain't him, that's them, you know, or us trying to do some things. So I just thank God for that and God bless y'all and again y'all continue to pray for me, keep y'all keep me in y'all prayers and I keep y'all in mind. Amen. 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 God is faithful. He's good to us and he is faithful. And he won't work best for us. Yeah. A lot of times we want what's best for our flesh, but he gonna give you the overall what's best for your flesh and your spirit, man. And so we're thankful to him. All right, Sister Jerry, I'm gonna meet you my well no, I'm gonna bring you in right now, Sister Jerry. Good morning, God bless you. How are you? Good morning, Sister Barbara. I'm doing well. Thank God for new day, new life, and new knowledge. Amen. You know, Barbara, sometimes we go around thinking we're not doing nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, we good. It's the other person. Yakety, yakety, yak. But then when you can bring an outsider in, or maybe two outsiders in, like yesterday, they had to show me, no, you wasn't cursing and carrying on. You were using God's praise on him. But he's a God-fearing man. He couldn't sit in the room with you because you are a piece of mess. <laughs> and you use that soft voice on him. You don't get loud and rowdy. But, baby, you're a piece of mess. <laughs> so she brings her friend Barbara with her because Barbara going to get him straight. No, you want somebody to do everything you say. So that showed me right there. God's still working on you. You ain't cursing people out. You're using the word of God on them. You really trying to shake them like they're the wrong one by using parables of the Lord on them. Oh, you've been reading that Bible. You go, girl. But you're still wrong. So I thought about it all night, and I said, Lord, forgive me. I, I I thought I was being good, and I thought they were being bad. And I just was telling them all the way on, but I was wrong, Lord. And then in the end, because I had the Spirit of the Lord with me and Barbara, they turned that mean spirit of mine until we were all laughing with each other in the room together and learned some things and got everything I needed, what God would do. No, uh <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. I'll take it back. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll take it over. Uh, so, Barbara, I just thank God for you. You Amen. came in there on my side, and I love Barbara for that. She's like, don't mess with my friend Jerry. She came in, but she was humble. Jerry came in with her arms full, ready for action. Now I got back up. Oh, you got the spirit of the Lord. Lord says, I'll fight your battles. But you you don't give God time. 
And now I'm learning. They that wait on the Lord, just wait. That's what I'm doing, Barbara. I'm waiting on God now. Amen. You're not ready for a husband, Jerry, because you're just still in your ways. You like to use the birth of the Lord. God says, I should da 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 to no man. God said, yeah, God said those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This man looked at you like, hmm, she know the Bible. Hmm, she's not cursing. But she's speaking in that soft voice. Boy, but that's fire sitting over there. I better walk out of here before I lose my religion. Because she's having lost hers. She's telling me all. He couldn't even stay in the room with me, Barbara. But yesterday he sat back and laughed and had a good time with us, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. And Barbara said, oh, that's that bad behind Jerry. She still needs to go see Miss Dallas. Because she's still working in her way. But when the man got through and he started laughing with me, she laughed with him. And she was still, I said, but doctor, he said, yeah, you know what? I feel sorry for your knee. He was calmer too. Barbara bought peace out of confusion. Because like the nurse said, Jerry was bad and the doctor was bad. Jerry can turn uh, uh uh, a sunny day into a storm. Jerry can turn a calm situation into a right. And the lady said, that's a God-fearing man. She really got with him. I said, I didn't curse him. No, you used your soft voice and you used the word of the Lord, but boy, you ripped him. I mean, you ripped him so bad he had to get up and walk out. But in the end, he was happy to see somebody other than me in that room. And he started out with good morning. Jerry ain't say no good morning. She looked over at Bob. Bob said, well, good morning. And looked at me. I was like, whatever. Well, let's get to him, Bob. Let's get with it. Bob was like, gave me a sign. Just give it time, Jerry. Give it time. You ready to jump in on him? Let me hear what he said. I heard, There's two sides to every story. Like the nurse said, yeah, he was wrong, but she will always have the last word. I didn't curse him. No, you didn't curse him, but boy, you throw that Bible on him so hard, he had to walk out because he's a God-fearing man. And some of the stuff you said was right, but you was letting him know, I am not the one. I will not be challenged and played with. So he couldn't stay in the room with me. But when he came in, Bob turned that storm, oh, ye a little faith, he turned it into a sunny, beautiful day. I think I affected the man so bad that day he resigned. May 30th is his last day. He really resigned. But I don't want him. That's not the reputation I want. So thank you, Barbara, for being there with me. Thank you for the word of the day. Just because you don't hear God speaking don't mean he ain't there. I tried to get rid of him, go to another place. God didn't let me move. Because God said, I'm working on the scene behind you, Jerry. I'm going to get you everything you need. But you just, you still got some anger in you. 
And when it comes to me and you really angry to them, you put them up to a standard, that's hard for them to meet. They're not going to just get with you. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Stop. Let me help you understand. And when she does that, wait, 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 wait. Let me help you understand. First of all, second of all, and in the end she said, this is not what you want. This is not the venture you want to go down. And as I look back over my life, poor Bob, poor any of my boyfriends. It was hard being my friend. But, Bobby, you hanging there with me, don't you? Because you well, really yeah. have the spirit of the Lord. Yeah, I, I understand some things, Jerry. And this to be a, we're going to come out that past. We're going to stop looking back in that past at what happened, what we done. God, you have asked God to forgive you, and he has forgiven you. You're going to let it go and move on. Because what the enemy does with that past, he keep it over your head, keep you going back there, and keep showing you where you haven't come yet. Sometimes that devil will tell you you're never going to get there. All kind of stuff. So we don't want to dwell on the past. And another thing, we want to remember all the time who we are in Jesus. Because what if God had come while you were telling him off uh, or using the word? And see, I know what he thought. Uh, she says she's a Christian, and she over there quoting scriptures, but the behavior don't line up with a, with the scripture or a Christian or a believer. Her behavior is not lining up. See, that's what I say. We we can say things. God hear what we say, but He's looking at what we're doing, and that what we're doing and what we're saying are two different things. He see right there we're lying. The truth is not in us. Yeah. Because we're not walking in his way. And that's what he asked me. He say, hey, are you really a Christian? How dare you have the audacity, a mitigated goal, to ask me if I'm a Christian? The question is, are you a Christian? Yeah, we're not worrying about that. God fixed it yesterday, and we're going to keep it fixed. I'm going to keep it moving, Barbara. Yeah, he brought you back. Because, girl, I got so much peace for rest after I got that off my chest. Okay. I was like, Lord, help me become more like Barbara. Well, no, don't do that now. So walking in the right way. Uh Uh-uh. Listen. Listen again. Now, don't help me to be like Barbara. God, help me to be a better me. Cause see, you don't know what I go through to be this way. You don't, you, uh-uh, you don't want none of this, Gary. No, nope. say what I want, okay? Uh-uh, but you want your calm. Yeah, but you, you want to make control. No, no need, no need. I don't go in me. I go in Jesus. But this thing, Jerry, to whom much is given, much is required. Yeah, much is required. Yeah, I took you. You see what I'm saying? And what? What happened is this. That's not where you want to be. That's that's really not where you are. You want to be where God would have Jerry to be and do the things God so would Barbara, have. So, Barbara, you've been taking me to the office since I was a little girl. You've been taking me 
when will I get the calmness in me? It's like you I let, stay on the defense. Yeah, but when you let go and let God have his way, all that's going to come for you. But you got to let I'm go. I'm a David. I got a nice side or oh, a loving side, David. Then I got that side that says Jerry. And that's the side I want God to work on, that Jerry side. Because that Jerry oh. side, ooh-wee. Okay, well, this is what happens to happen. You got to ask God to come into your heart and live and teach you. See, because sometimes we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power of God, you see. And we, we're not really walking the way that we're supposed to. I mean, we can pray, we can sing, we can go to church. But until we let God really come into our heart and change us from the inside out, it won't happen. But we got to have him. We got to have him. So all you got to do is let Jerry go and let God have his way in Jerry. You're right. Yeah. Pray for everything and about every little thing. Yeah, we in prayer. And Lord, I believe you're going to do it. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Okay, I'm trying to. Oh, there it is, y'all. I'm fixing lights over here on my desk, y'all. I'm sorry. I got to see. The desk dark, and it's dark, so I got to add a little more light to it. Is there anyone else this morning have something they would like to say? Please feel free to press that number one and come in today, and uh, we're going to get it right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. If no one has anything they would like to say, I'll pray us out. Uh, Brother Louis say, hey, Brother Anthony. And, uh, we'll oh, pray. hey, Brother Louis. We're going to pray out and uh, pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And tomorrow morning, we coming in with Bishop Rudolph McKissick again. He got a powerful one for you tomorrow. I won't even tell you the name of it. Oh, yeah, it's a oh. powerful for tomorrow, and I thank God for Overseer Carter from Times Square Church. I love his messages. I love the way he brings it. He get excited. Yeah, he was under Dave Whipperson, and so I thank God. But Louis said, "Hey, Sister Jerry, yeah, I thank God for it." So look, we're going to pray and go to our last song of the morning, and uh, this is going to be the request that was requested earlier. But I'm going to do it as we close it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for your word today. But Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Forever, O oh God, thy word, hallelujah, is settled in heaven. Sanctify us today through that truth, for that word is true. God, as we go throughout our day, let the word, Jesus is coming turn in our hearts and minds. Let it constantly remind us, Father, that you're coming back looking for us. But Lord, we must be ready when you come. You're looking for your church. You're looking for your church without spot or wrinkle. And Father, we want the wrinkles out. So God, we need you to help us get the wrinkles, get the spots out. Anything that's not of you, Father, help us today. Strengthen us in you, in the name of Jesus. You made us. You know all about us. You know man in the very intent of man's heart. So we ask that you would do it for us today in the precious name of Jesus. We give you glory. Father, we give you the honor and praise. 
And as we depart, bless our going out, bless our coming in. Meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. And Father, move for your people today financially in the name of Jesus, spiritually, mentally, health, God, everything we need, move today in a mighty way in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory again and all the honor and all the praise for you alone are worthy. We ask it all again today in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessing of Almighty God upon you this day, April the 18th, 2023, in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye, and we're going to our last song of the morning, and I won't be coming back after the song. God bless you. In order to be able to reach him. So we're going to give you this one. This one is called, I Put God On. Anything that you may be going through, any situation that you may be facing, anything that you may be struggling with, step outside of yourself and put God on. on. Amen. Amen. Look at Ricky. Look at Ricky.
Hi, Jen. How can I help you? Hi, Jen. This is Barbara Pittman. And, uh, hey. hey, I got your message to aid the end, and my appointment is tomorrow at 2.15. I will see you then. All right. Enjoy your day. Yes, you too. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I sure thought 